Let us pray, Heavenly Father. You alone are our Father. You alone are our Father and Mother. You alone are the source of all our comfort. And so this day, we especially pray for all mothers, particularly Machiko in Japan, who is a member of this church. She had four heart surgery. And the last one lasted for 12 hours. And she has not gained consciousness yet. And so, God, help all mothers, and especially Machiko, bring her to consciousness and strengthen and heal her. and Help her to be a mother to her daughter and a wife to Dr. Kim. Oh God, we look to you. Help each one of us. We need help. And there is no one who is competent to help us but you. And so God, speak to us your word. Fear not. Be not dismayed. For with you I am. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Hallelujah. And help us to believe your gospel. Your words of life, strength, healing, comfort. That we may go out from this place with great joy. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah 41. We are in this church uh, preaching through the Bible. And we are in this great prophecy of Isaiah. Chapter 41. So if you have Bible, you can open it. And we'll, we'll preach from the whole chapter. And I titled it The Theology of a Worm. Theology means God's Word. God's Word to a worm. In Isaiah 40, God declared, according to his estimation, he declared that all men compared to him are like grass. Nations, a drop in a bucket. 
or mere dust on a scale. We are told there they are nations, they are as nothing and less than nothing. There we are told that God reduces the mighty princes of this world to chaff, which wind blows away. Compared to God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, all men are like grasshoppers. Such evaluation of God does not contribute to contribute much to people's self-esteem. People's inflated view of themselves. But about Israel, the people of God. We are told something about their own evaluation of themselves. Verse 14, do not be afraid, O worm, Jacob. I think that's pretty good evaluation. Because of their rebellious idolatry, remember they had been exiled to Babylon. But though God chastises his people to humble them, the covenant God will never abandon them, never reject them. Yet before God can help us, we must humble ourselves before him and come to him in our weakness. The hungry he feeds and the rich he sends empty away. God saves only sinners not the self-righteous. So through God's chastisement, we see Israel in 41st chapter of Isaiah. Israel humbling herself and calls herself a worm. Have you ever felt like a worm about to be trampled upon and crushed? She also calls herself little Israel, verse 14. Compared to the mighty nations of the world, people of God are seen as little Israel, a worm. Israel's Redeemer also called himself a worm in Psalm 22 and verse 6. Probably a psalm which the Lord Jesus Christ recited and reflected upon 
as he hung on the cross. But I am a worm and not a man scorned by men and despised by the people. This morning, how do you feel? Do you feel little? Do you feel like a worm? Do you feel insignificant? Do you feel God has rejected you? I want to tell you the truth. God has not rejected you. And God cannot reject you. This morning, God will help you. He is here to help the poor and needy we read about in verse 17. He is here to help all those who acknowledge their weakness and failures before the sovereign Savior. But he will not help or save or comfort or strengthen anyone who is arrogant and pretends to be quite competent to save themselves. God has something encouraging to say to every worm here, every little Israel. This is why I titled this sermon, The Theology of a Worm. In other words, God's word to a worm. And what is that word? Fear not. O worm, Jacob. And I want to give you a number of reasons which are given in this chapter so that you do not fear. But you will go out helped, strengthened by God, saved by him. And you will go out with joy. First then, this God is the Lord of history. According to chapter 41, 1 through 7. And 21 through 29. No idol or idolater. Is the Lord of history. Yahweh. Israel's God alone. Runs the entire affairs of history. Our God controls. The entire course of nature. And history. For his glory. And to accomplish his own eternal purpose. And that purpose is to save us for himself. No ruler appears on the scene of history. Unless God of Israel appoints him and calls him. So to deliver Israel from exile... God predicted the rising of a world ruler and calls him by name 150 years before his birth. His name is Cyrus. And predicted by Isaiah 
in number of places here in his prophecy, Isaiah 41, verse 2 and 25, chapter 44, verse 28, chapter 45, verse 1 and 3, and chapter 46, verse 11, 150 years before this ruler came on the scene, God of history, God of Israel, calls him by name. No idol can do that. No idolater can do that. He was a ruler of this Cyrus, ruler of a city by name Anshan in the Persian Gulf in 559 B.C. It's a little king over a little city. But all of a sudden in 550 BC, Cyrus conquered Media and became king of the Persian Empire. Wiping out everybody. Total power. Because God gave him power. Read about it. Verse 1 through 7 of this chapter. In 549, he conquered Lydia in Asia Minor, modern Turkey, by defeating the powerful king Croesus. In 549 BC, he conquered Assyria. By 540 BC, much of Babylonian empire was under the rule of Cyrus. Babylon is trembling. All kings are trembling. They are full of fear. But what are they doing? Are they coming to God, the true God, the living God, and trust in him? Oh no, they are creating an idol. And fixing the idol, putting nails on it, that it will not topple. Idols of Babylon did not help them. Nations were filled with fear, but they will not turn to God. They took refuge in idolatry. In October 16, 539 BC, the general of Cyrus, Gubaru, entered the city of Babylon without a fight having diverted the Euphrates River. And this Cyrus issued a decree which enabled the exiles of Israel to return to their own country. No people in the history of the world ever came back to their own country. But Israel is God's people. God predicted this event by Isaiah 150 years before. If God controls history and if God's purpose is to save us, his people, then there is no reason for us to be afraid. If God is for us, who can be? against us and so he tells us do not fear 
Do not fear. Do not fear. He tells us three times in this chapter. Verse 10, verse 13 and verse 14. God controls history. Earlier in the history of Israel, a prophet made a prediction. 300 years before the coming on the scene of Israel's history, a king of Judah, and the prophet called him by name. Do you know his name? Josiah. And you read this prediction in 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 2. God called him by name as he did Cyrus. And predicted that this Josiah will destroy the idolatry of the northern kingdom. And he did. 2 Kings 23, 15 and 16 tells us. So the truth here. Dear friends, is this. History cannot prevent the Lord of history from saving you. From helping you. He predicts the rise and fall of the empires of the world. Babylon. Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. He destroys all kingdoms so that his kingdom alone exercises dominion of all the earth. So, idol, idolaters, can you announce Ahead of time, what is going to happen? And then can you make it happen in history? Nobody can do that. And so God, the God of Israel, our God, alone is able to do that. And that ought to be a source of great comfort. Therefore, You worm Jacob, you little Israel, fear not. God says, I am the Lord of history. I control all things that happen in time and space. Second, the reason that you should not fear is in verse 21. Maybe this is the only place this phrase appears. Set forth your arguments, says Jacob's king. Our God, in other words, is our king. The Lord of history is our king. This is good news. Our God reigns. By the power of the Holy Spirit, We were enabled to own him as our king when we confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus Kurios is the mighty king. He defeats all our enemies 
Let me read to you from verse 11. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. Let's praise him. Yes, I have enemies and you have enemies because we stand for truth. But this king will deal with them and make them as nothing. He's a mighty warrior. No pharaoh can resist him. He's Jacob's king. He's my king. He's your king. All authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So, little Israel, worm Jacob, listen to theology, the word of God to you. Be not afraid. He will protect and defend you. Nobody can step on you and crush you to nothing. Number three, reason that you shouldn't fear. Chapter 41, verse 10 and verse 13 says, I am your God. Now, if you are theologically inclined, you will notice right away that this is covenant language. I'm your God. You are my people. He's the great I am. He's the sovereign savior. He keeps his covenant to us. He may chastise us and he may discipline us. But we, he shall never reject us or break his covenant with us. He keeps his covenant. He kept his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is our God. So little Israel, worm Jacob. You have no reason to fear or be anxious. Isaac Watts said, Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Let's praise Him. Number 4 in verse 10, Isaiah 40, we are told the reason why you shouldn't be afraid, I am with you. In Hebrew, it is with you, I am. The emphasis is on with you. This means God, not only God is transcendent, holy other, 
But he is also immanent. He is with us. He is our present help in trouble. He is Emmanuel. He was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was with Moses and Israel. He was with Joshua. He redeemed Israel out of Egypt and brought them into Canaan. He was with them above the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. He told Gideon, let's turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Gideon. And he told Gideon in verse 14, chapter 6, verse 14 and 16. Go in the strength you have and save Israel. Am I not sending you? So Gideon asked the question, how can I save Israel? I'm nothing. I am the least in my family, which means I'm nothing, I'm a worm, I'm little Israel. What can I do? Midianites are mighty and numerous, strong. What can I do? But the Lord answered, I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. I'll be with you. It is not the worm that makes the difference. It is the presence of God with the worm that makes the difference. If God is with us, his presence makes all the difference. And we are told in the story of Gideon in in the next chapter, Judges 7, Gideon was still not all ready to to go and fight. And he was told to go to the camp of the Midianites and listen. And he went and listened. Somebody had a dream. And the dream was a barley bread. That means nothing. Barley bread is nothing. Poor people eat barley bread. But there was a dream. And this Midianite got this dream. He saw in his dream a barley loaf rolling down. (laughs) And striking the tent of the Midianites and collapsing it. That's the idea. So if you want another figure to describe you, you are a barley loaf. (laughs) But with God and his presence, it will destroy the enemies. If God is with us, his presence makes all the difference. 
we are God's people. On the day of Pentecost, the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. God is with us. God is in us. God is upon us. God is all around us. And God goes before us. And Jesus told his disciples, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the ages. So if God is with us, you worm Jacob, little Israel, you need not fear or worry. Number five. Listen to the promise of God in verse 10. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Oh, everything is all right then. Now these verbs in Hebrew language strengthen, help, uphold, they all are in perfect tense. This means it is God's determination to strengthen you, help you, and uphold you. And what God has determined, he performs. No force on earth can prevent him from doing what he has determined. No power in the universe can prevent him from helping you and helping me. We are weak. And weaker the better, of course. We are weak, but he is strong. We fall down, but he never falls down. He picks us up. We die, but he never dies. We are hungry, but he gives us food. We lack wisdom. He gives us wisdom, for he is wisdom. We are sinful. But he is holy and he makes us holy. We are mortal, but he makes us immortal. Look at verse 13 of Isaiah 41. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. It's a wonderful picture here. We are children of God. We do not know which way to go, but he as our father takes hold of our right hand and says to our heart, so that you will hear it. What does he say? Do not fear. Your right hand is grasped by him. Do you feel that? Do you feel that divine grip on your right hand? Do 
Do you feel that divine grip of the father and the son? Nobody is able to take us out of his hand. Snatch us away from his security and salvation. Nothing. Neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God. Do you also hear his word of comfort? Do not fear. He's speaking to you right now. We come with all our fears and phobias and confusions. Feel his grip and hear his word. Forty-one verse ten tells us, "I will uphold you with my righteous right hand." In other words, He holds us up when we are very tired and not able to move on. In Exodus 17 and verse 12, we read the story of Moses. He was to lift up his hand toward heaven. Whole day. But his hands grew tired. And Aaron and Hur found a stone and Moses sat down. And Aaron on the one hand who on the other hand held the hand of Moses till evening. That's the picture here. The picture is we get weary, we get tired, we get worn out. But we have one who upholds us when we are weary and worn out. We have one who is greater than Aaron and Hur. We have God, our good shepherd, who gathers the lambs in his hands and carries them close to his heart. So, little Israel, O worm Jacob, fear not. Be not dismayed. Number six. Verse 14 says, this God is your Redeemer. And that word is very important, Redeemer. It appears in Isaiah 13 times. It is the most important word in, the, in salvation history. This God is your Redeemer. In other words, he is the protector of our family. <laughs> he is our kinsman. He is the one who takes upon himself all the needs of the next of kin. <laughs> we have one, the next of kin. Who is able, who is willing. He is the Lord of history. He is our God. Hallelujah. We have become paupers. We lost everything. We are born sinners. We go astray. Wrath of God is upon us. We are hell bound. 
who will help us? <laughs> who shall save us from the wrath to come? Rejoice, O little Israel. Rejoice, worm Jacob. We have a rich relative. Able and wise and mighty and willing to redeem us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so, little Israel, O worm Jacob, do not be anxious. God is speaking to you. Do not be anxious. Number seven. And I will stop with number seven. <laughs> I'll tell you ahead of time so you can rouse yourself. <laughs> number seven. Look at verse 15. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp, with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. See, that's the first word. Behold, something I'm going to do that's wonderful. In Hebrew text, I will make of you. <laughs> you are a worm, isn't that true? And God is able to take the worm and transform it into a mighty machine. Threshing sledge. In Hebrew it means brand new. It's not worn out. Or brand new. Threshing machine. He shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. He's come upon you. That's the idea here. God makes out of a weak worm a threshing sludge. Quiet, capable to thresh mountains and hills. Meaning able to overcome all opposition and obstacles on your way. This idea is expressed by prophet Micah in chapter 4 and verse 13. Rise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will give you horns of iron. I will give you hoofs of bronze, and you will break in pieces many nations. Or Zechariah chapter 4, verse 7 and 6. Zerubbabel is given this mighty promise. What are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Mighty mountain. A little Zerubbabel. Of little Israel. How can this be? And the answer comes in verse 6. Not by might nor by power. But by my spirit says God.
weaker you are, the better you are. When I am weak, then I am strong. St. Paul says he boasts in his weaknesses. Because weaker you are, stronger you are by divine strengthening. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we receive power to accomplish without fear all what God wants us to accomplish. Worm transformed into a threshing machine. Gideon was a worm, but the Holy Spirit came upon him. Judges 6 and verse 34. (laughs) And God transformed him into a threshing sludge that defeated completely the multitude of Midianites. In the book of Acts chapter 4, here a fisherman, an uneducated, untrained, King James probably speaks about ignorant fishermen. And you are reading the book of Acts. In chapter 4 verse 8. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Transformed into a threshing machine. And gave witness to the gospel. Without fear. And the Sanhedrin says in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. And realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. What God can do with you. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Let's turn and listen to St. Paul. And listen to what he says in Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Listen to this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Not gold. That is the worm idea. A little Israel idea. The barley cake idea. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. (laughs) That's why God appreciates worms. God looks with favor those who humble before him. And listen to him, verse 8, 2 Corinthians 4. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This treasure we have in vessels of clay, we are clay, but God's treasure power transforms us into a threshing machine to resist the devil, and he shall flee from us. Therefore, worm, 
Jacob. Little Israel. Fear not. Fear not. Shall we rise? There are. We'll speak this evening, the rest of it. Fear. Fear of loneliness, fear of losing livelihood, fear of sickness, fear of divorce, fear of rejection, fear of failure. And don't forget fear of death. And God is speaking to his people, don't worry. He is the Lord of history. He is your God. He is your King. Hallelujah. He promises. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will lift you up. And he has a way of transforming you into something that's simply amazing. The world is amazed that these people turn the world upside down. So God is speaking to you. Don't be afraid. However, if you never humbled yourself And you never believed in divine command. Hear ye him. Hear his son. You have no other choice. But to be afraid. No other choice. To be afraid. What will you do. If you die tonight. Or this morning. Where will you spend your eternity? The world psychology will not help you. Philosophy will not help you. Science will not help you. Nothing is going to help you. There is no helper but this God, Lord, King. He will help you. There's no other way to be saved. But if you are a Christian, if you're Believed in Jesus Christ. If you have humbled yourself before God, everything is all right. Isn't that true? Everything is all right. No need to fear because God is with you. Hallelujah. May God help us to understand that. I'm not alone anymore. That's all over now. God is with me. God is in me. God is upon me. God is around me. God goes before me. God is behind me. I'm kept by God. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Some of you have been told about your disease. Some are facing operation. You don't know what's going to happen. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you haven't gotten the job. (laughs) 
Some of you are worried about your children, how they are going to turn out. <laughs> Don't worry. I hope I have told you enough reasons that you shouldn't worry. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to feel your grip on our right hand and hear with our heart your voice that tells us be not afraid be not dismayed with you I am I am your God I am your King I am your Savior Hallelujah for we pray in Jesus name Amen